0: The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day saved my soul, when His blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in His precious blood, my sins to atone, and I started singing. Bible in the book of Psalms. Psalm 40, verses 9 through 17. Now, normally, Psalm 41 through 3 is where the spotlight at That's the spotlight of that chapter, no doubt. He set my feet upon a solid rock and established my going, put a new song in my heart, praise unto my God. And, and you know that that is. That's a phenomenal. That's been that's been a passage in my heart in some hard times in my life. I have, I thank God, memorized those three verses and would quote them. People say to me sometimes, Pastor Bill, I don't know how to pray. I'm, I'm newly saved, don't know how to pray. There's no better way to pray than pray the Bible. There's no, and the Psalms especially, uh, many of those really were songs as, as well as prayers. And you can take some of those Psalms and you can pray them to God. You can pray them back to God. And uh, you can, you know, we have uh, people that text me and they'll say, I prayed Psalm, I prayed Psalm uh, let's say, 138.2 for you today. Of course, what that does is tweak me to go look up what Psalm 138.2 is because I haven't had a Bible memorized at this point, so I looked that up, and I think, well, praise the Lord. They prayed that for me. And and one of them was, I hope you die a slow, miserable death. But anyway. Amen. <laughs> hey, I deserve it. But... uh I want to say a few things today. If I offend you, uh, it, it's just kind of the way it goes. Um, a lot of us have a lot of different opinions about what's going on in the political realm today and what else is happening and everything. But there's a few things I am and that I'm not a, I don't mind telling folks about. Uh, from the day uh, I've come here to today, years ago, I've said these statements through services here, there, and yon. I don't know if you remember Brett Williams. How many remember Brett Williams? You know, Brett Williams, old big old boy. He was a, had a Harley, a biker. Brother John, he kept his Harley in an air conditioned garage. Now, that's a guy that loves his Harley. And the first time I went over to see him, he had a big old long pony tail, and he had about a massive big screen TV, and he was sitting about five feet from it. Now, when you're sitting five feet from a big screen TV, that's all you see. And I was trying to tell about Jesus, and the uh, halftime at a basketball game come up, and there was these cheerleaders, if you know what I mean by cheerleaders. And they were all I could see was cheerleaders. I mean, it was just—he uh, was here, and I'm just—I'm just seeing these cheerleaders, and, and I'm like, I cannot talk about Jesus watching these cheerleaders bouncing around. You know, I just can't do it. I'm still red-blood American, you know, and I just cannot take this. This is too much and so I told him, I said, do you have a motorcycle? I was just desperate. He said, yeah, man, I got a Harley. He looked like a Harley rider, didn't he? Typical Harley rider, and uh, I said, let me look at it. Let's let's go see it. I had to get out of that environment, so he takes me to this air-conditioned garage, shows me the motorcycle, and I mean, that thing's perfect. It don't have anything on it. He says, I, I ran air into this room here just for this bike, and I knew right away we'd hit it off. I said, well, boy, you know, that's a good thing. I like to ride, and we talked a little bit about Jesus, and he wasn't uh, saved. And he said, now, I don't mind coming to your church, but if you ever talk about against rock and roll, he said, I'll never come back. And, of course, I thought, well, he won't be here long, but nevertheless. Um, he came, got saved, you know, got baptized, was, uh, just got right with God. Now, I'd give an invitation, and old, old Brett's hand would be up getting right. Over and over and over again, he made decisions for Jesus and decisions for Jesus. Got to be a bus captain, or bus driver. And we went, moved up north, Got drove buses up there. And uh, one of the things he shared with me, he said, Brother Bill, I'm going to share with you, the first Sunday he came was precarious because he didn't want to be here and really didn't want to come back. And that Sunday, for some reason or another, I told, them, I told the folks the same thing I'm going to tell you right now is I am a life NRA member. And now I've even upgraded it to an endowment member. And he said, had you not said that, I wouldn't have come back. Well, I said, I lost three, but I gained one. (laughs) I realize that some of you may not appreciate the fact that I am a a life member of the NRA, or, or have been for so many years, and And I also have a concealed weapons permit. I've had that for many years. My wife and I both have had it for 25, 30 years. I don't carry often. I just carry a weapon often. But if I did carry it, you wouldn't know it. Uh, It is the law, when you have a concealed weapons permit, that you keep your weapon concealed and from public view. The reasoning is that seeing a gun visually, the average person will be intimidated by that gun, and they'll change their pattern of movement and pattern of thinking when they see that weapon. And it will cause them to be uncomfortable in many cases, and consequently, it will infringe on their right to be at ease. Now, that's, that's the reasoning behind co- having concealed rather than open carry. Understand. This is going somewhere. Uh, but in reading Psalm 40, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. We're going to come back to that whole concealed weapons thing and why it makes people nervous, and you'll understand why I said all that. But I want to start with verse 9. Let me just read through this real quickly, and we'll go back and mine some truth from this. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation, lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within mine heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. And this is is part of the title of the sermon. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kind, loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me, for innumerable evils have compassed me about, and iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. For they are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth. That's some deep depression. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord. Make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha! Aha! Let those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy that the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O oh, my God. The words of verse ten, of course, hit me pretty hard. I have failed in many, and, and people may say Amen on this, but I failed in many directions at being a good Christian. Uh, I need improvement as a Christian in a number of areas. Number one, I'm just going to give you some. I think I need improvement of, but I'm not letting you vote. And I don't want any slips that aren't signed afterwards. I can do better in loving my enemies. I can do better in loving my enemies. I can do better in doing good to them that despitefully use me. I I can do better. I can do better in blessing those who curse me. I can do better in the area of anger. I can do better in having a pure thought life. I can do better in having a pure language. But there's a few things in my life by God's grace. You say, Brother Bill, that was too short a list. Well, that's this goal you're getting today. There's a few things by God's grace in my Christian life that I have done. One of them is mentioned verses 9 through 10. We'll go back and then look at that again. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. One of the things that I have had some success in is I, from an 18-year-old young man when I got right with God in 2003 Cass Office Street in Elkhart, Indiana, I have not been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have preached it. I have spoken it. I have, in some measure, bragged about God's grace, His righteousness, His faithfulness, His salvation, His loving kindness and His truth to the great congregation or to anyone who would listen. I did it, not because I was called to be a preacher. I did it far before that because I decided I I may not do so well in many of the things that Christ asked us to live, though I want to do better, but I could do this. And so, I could be unashamed. And so, you can also. Uh, what is the statement above the door, the main doors when you come in, in gold leaf says, fellowship of the unashamed. Because that has been one of my personal spiritual goals, is not to be, a, to be, not, not to be ashamed of Jesus Christ and his word, and what he stands for, and who he is. If I may put it this way in in NRA terms, I open carry the gospel gun. It makes people nervous to see it, I know. It makes their skin crawl when they see the gospel gun on display. But through David, I say this morning, as he said, I have not concealed thy loving kindness or thy truth. Now, you don't need a concealed weapon's permit to carry the gospel gun. You don't have to apply for it. God wants you to show off the gospel gun, and God, by the way, wants you to keep it loaded. A gun does absolutely no good if it's not loaded. People say to me, I bought a gun for self-protection, but I don't have any bullets in it. Well, then you might as well use a baseball bat. Well, I I and, and by the way, I suggest put one in the chamber. And I suggest have it ready to go because if you ever have to pull that thing, you are gonna be so nervous, so messed up, that you won't remember how to cock it, how to put it, how to put one in the chamber. You'll be sitting like this as the guy's coming at you with a knife, you're gonna be like, Hey, wait a minute, hold it. I forgot how to put a bullet in. It. If you're ever going to shoot the gospel gun, you better memorize it, brother. You better get it down. You better be able to know the points of the gospel and and, and 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 be able to repeat it almost blindly, almost in the, you know, no matter when. Because when you get ready to tell somebody or to share somebody about Jesus, you're going to get nervous. You'll sweat. Your palms will sweat. You'll get sweat. And you might as well just, you better, just like in the same thing we've got, you better have it loaded. You better have the verses memorized backwards, forwards, sideways, get to those verses of salvation where you can tell anybody, anytime, anywhere. There's not that many verses. You could do it. Start out with John 3.16, amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, Jesus thought that was enough when he said it in John chapter 3. But uh, I know this, that if you keep shooting the gospel gun you're going to hit somebody sometime, somewhere, someplace. Some folks in your life will get saved if you just keep shooting the gospel gun. That That is telling people about Jesus and how to be saved. If you just keep shooting it, somebody's going to get convicted about their, their absence of God in their life and their sin, which is welling up around them. If you just keep shooting it, somebody... Is going to get right with God. Just keep shooting, folks. In the dark, that as the times around us may get darker, we need to get even more aggressive, not less aggressive, but more aggressive at telling people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that He's a loving and kind and wonderful God, but He's a God of wrath, too. He's a God that judges sin and will not pardon the wicked on their own cognizance. But will someday have to answer for their sin? God forbid. But it's true. When you could have Jesus answer for your sin, boy, what a a horrible thing it is to miss the gospel. The good news that Jesus died for you and was buried and rose again the third day. And by simple childlike faith in him, you can be saved. What a horrible thing to miss that. David in his psalm here goes on to confess his areas of failure in verse 11 and 12. He says, "Withhold well, not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me. I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. I used to just read through this part of the psalm, uh, and I wonder what he was talking about when I was a young Christian. Uh, only when you get broken and when God breaks you, will you understand and empathize with some of the book of Psalms? You'll not know what the book of Psalms and it'll not even interest you until God brings some things in your life that will humble you and break you. When God allows you to see yourself as He sees you, only then will you see, as David did, your innumerable evils. Only then will you see the massive amount of iniquities that you have. When people come to me and say, Well, I'm I don't hardly have any sin, they're they're immature at the least, hard hearted at the best. But when the Holy Spirit, and I say Holy Spirit, comes by, everywhere in the Bible where that where somebody came before a holy angel or came before God the first reaction they had was they got weak and they fell to the floor. When God the Spirit, Holy Spirit comes by you as he did David here in this psalm, the first thing he began to say was, "I woe is me for I am undone. Uh, only then will your iniquities and innumerable evils become clear to you and begin to shame you and indeed overwhelm you by their number and cause, listen to this, and cause deep depression to come over your heart. My heart almost fails me. See, you go to an average doctor, they're going to try to give you chemicals to overcome depression. Sometimes depression is God's method to help you. No amens on that, you know that? Nobody wants to be depressed. I hate depression. But it is God's tool. If you want to be happy, happy, happy every day... You are living in la-la land. Even Disney's not that happy. I mean, the real life of a Christian must have some down times where God brings you to the place like he did David, where you look at yourself and you say, Whoa, is me. Man, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. I have no business being even called a child of God. That's not all bad. It's good for you. You say, Brother Bill, I'm so down, I can't even lift my head up. That's what he said here. I can't look up. I'm ashamed of myself. I don't even want to look up to God. I'm, I'm, just, I'm hurt. It, it, it's, it's good for your growth. It's good for your maturity. It's, it, it expands your knowledge of who God is. And then this... Does what? It presses us to go to God for further help. I hope you don't go to the doctor and say, give me drugs so I cannot be depressed. I'm talking about born-again Christians now. I understand the world doing that. But I'm talking about born-again Christians when you go down into the black hole or you go down into that old cave, as as Brother Sam and I used to talk about, and you get into that cave, it should press you to go to one person and one only, the Lord Jesus Christ. It should press you to go to God. There's nobody else. By the way, don't get on your phone and start calling your buddies. They can't help you. Don't get on your phone and start playing a Pokemon. It can't help you. Don't, don't don't start watching movie after movie after movie. Those things can't help you. Go to God. Get your Bible out. Start in Psalm 1, start reading it. Start praying it. Start voicing it. In Psalm 1, in Psalm 2, one guy, one preacher told me years ago, he said, "I if I get depressed, I go to the book of Psalms and I start I start praying the book of Psalms." He says, "I've gone all the way to Psalm 40 before God answered." He said I was down and I and I just knew that if I and He said, I never made it through Psalm 150 yet. God brings me back, encourages me, and fills me with the Spirit of God and helps me. Praise the Lord. That was a good testimony. I've tried it myself. It's true. You don't go to someone for help if you're not pushed into it often. Uh, God pushes you to himself through the sufferings that come into your life, through your insufficiencies, through your weaknesses, and through your failures. Literally, God uses your pain to help you know Him, to help you understand who He is. And I wish, you, I wish I could tell you this morning, the Bible paints a picture that you can know God some other way, but you cannot. God brings it to, man, David was a man after God's own heart. That was the way he did it for him. He also allows your enemies to threaten you. You say, Brother Bill, I don't have any enemies. Really? Well, let me talk about that. Let's read verse 14 and 15. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. You don't have anybody wishing you evil? Let them be desolate for reward of their shame and saying to me, aha, aha. If you don't have enemies, you're probably doing nothing for the cause of Christ. I know it's hard. But if you have no enemies, then you're not saying much for the cause of Christ. You definitely aren't shooting a gospel gun. You have enemies because you're doing something for God. David took a a public, outright stand for God and righteousness. And because he did that, Uh, He had enemies that hated him. Even his own son, Absalom, tried to uh, literally kill his father and take his throne, defiling his wives. Why, open, carry the gospel gun and see if it doesn't disturb those around you and see if they don't start complaining about it. That guy right there talks about Jesus, I don't want to hear about it. That guy right there carries his Bible. I don't want to be around that Bible. Uh, If you want to disturb people, have a Bible with you or talk about Jesus. Talk about anything else that's good. Talk about anything else that's good, but talk about Jesus is not good. All of a sudden, people get, oh, I don't like him. Oh, I don't like what he's doing there. Your enemies will pop up like popcorn. Uh, You'll wonder what in the world is going on. you're going to sometimes even wonder if they're going to win. David thought they were going Hey, David prayed, let not my enemies triumph over me. That meant it was potential in his mind that those enemies would triumph over him or he would have never prayed that. Make sense to you? Let not my enemies triumph over me. I, when I was a young man, I'd read that and I'd think, what was wrong with David? He was a crybaby. I really would. I mean, in my stupidity, and my ignorance of, of life, I just would read that, and I said, this man talks about enemies, talks about people after him, talks about people not wishing him well. I don't have anybody that doesn't like me. That's changed. But it's changed because partially I began to get verbal and began to shoot the gospel gun in love in kindness, with a tender spirit. But I don't care how you want to tell somebody that if they die, they're going to hell. It's not good news for them. But if they don't get lost, they can't get saved. You have to realize that you're, you're a sinner unable to save yourself and that by no good works are you ever going to merit a, a way in with God and that someday if you don't come to Christ you're going to stand before Jesus who died for you and offered salvation for you which indeed you rejected and, and and basically said he was a liar and wasn't real or whatever the case it is and you're going to be judged for your own sin and pay for your own sin which Jesus said was a place so bad The fire would never be quenched and the worm would never die and that you don't want to go there. A place called hell. Man. But this, your enemies being around you and threatening you causes you to do what verse 16 and 17 brings up. That is praise and plead. Look at verse 16 and 17. Let all those who seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee that such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer; make no tearing. Oh my God, you know sometimes I'm amazed that God thinks on me. Aren't you amazed sometimes as you sit back and think about it? I, I, we have fire ants at my house. How about you? You have fire ants. My wife said the other day, the fire ants are getting more. There's more fire ants now than I've ever seen on our property. I said, I've spent thousands of dollars to kill these little devils, and they're getting bigger. I think they eat amdro and it helps them get strong. And I've tried exotic stuff. I've tried that stinky ortholine, ortholine stuff, the stuff that smells so bad. I, I, the reason they leave when you put that stuff on there is because it smells so bad. They're like, we got to get out of here. But I think about those fire ants, how insignificant they are. In a big old fire ant mound, maybe there's 50,000, 60,000, 100,000 of those little ants there. And I run over them with my golf cart back and forth and back and forth. Then I sprinkle that white killer on them. And I, I water it in. And, and, and even at that, they just move over here half as big. So I go over here and I run over and I sprinkle the white stuff and they move over here half as big. And I think how insignificant one fire ant is, but you know, in the in the scope of our universe, we're smaller than the fire ant. In the scope of the universe, we're smaller than the fire ant. And yet David said he thinks on me. God thinks on me. Why choose us? Why choose this place called Earth of all that we see? Yet God says, this is where I'm going to put my throne. This is where the new Jerusalem's going to be. Not on Mars, not on Saturn, not on those other galaxies. This is the place where I'm going to come and to rule the rest of eternity for someday. Wow. Does that make you feel like you're not alone? that make you feel like you're not deserted? Does that if that make you feel like if God be for you, who can be against you? It does me, encourages me. David said, All those that seek thee rejoice. He said, No, in spite of, of the Holy Spirit coming and, and realizing your inadequacies and realizing your iniquities and realizing that your, your evils sometimes want to overcome you because we're still in this old flesh, and the, the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other, one to the other. Every day that you live on this side, the Bible says creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now, and that is still true today. It'll be true until Jesus eventually comes and redeems this place and changes it, and we have the final global warming, which will be he'll destroy this place by fire. Rejoice, he said, be glad. I think rejoicing and being glad in some degree is an attitude that you can choose. You say, I'm so down, preacher, man, I can't You Well, start getting, go before God and say, help me rejoice. I rejoice in thee, O God. I'm glad in thee, O God. I love your loving kindness that you care about me. And, 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 and by the grace of God, he says, just say that the Lord be magnified. May the Lord be glorified. I know I'm poor and I know I'm needy, but you think on me. You're my help and my deliverer. Oh, please come. Make no tearing. He says, oh, please come. Oh, my God. Not self-sufficient. Not powerful. Not confident. Not secure. I need God, and I need him now. And I think every day we wake up, if God lets us wake up, we say, Lord, I need you today. Lord, I need you. If ever I need you, Lord Jesus, it's now. How do you carry your gospel gun? Do you carry the gospel gun concealed? You're not supposed to. Some of you folks say, oh, preacher, I haven't told very many people about Jesus. Well, start telling them. Oh, preacher, I I, I don't like people to think bad of me. You can't be a good Christian if you don't be willing for folks to think bad of you. I wish everybody loved me. I really do. I wish everybody said say good things about me, but you know what? That's not what's most important. It's not all about me. The center of the world doesn't swing around Bill Lytle. It swings around Jesus Christ. And I care what he thinks more than what people think of me because ultimately in the end of it, will it make any difference what people think of you really? I know we're sensitive. Man, I, hey, every critical comment that's ever come on me still hurts me. You say at 64 years old, you got to be case-hardened, preacher. I'm not. Somebody wrote me anonymously a, a few weeks ago, and they didn't put a return address on the envelope, which is that you're a coward. Probably get another letter now roll me a, 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 a hurtful, hurtful, mean note and never put a return address on it so I could get back at you. Me, I wouldn't do that. I love my enemies. I thought you not very good at it. But you know, don't send me anything without signing it. Don't send anything anonymously to me. It hurts me. It hurt me. I wish I could explain what they accused me of. I wish, there were some things they didn't understand, and I'd love to be able to explain it to them. I can't do that because they didn't even put a way to get a hold of them. What a, I'm still a 64 tender spirited about that. I want to do what's right. I want to please God. I don't want any people to hate. But let me tell you this. if If it comes down whether I tell people the truth or I'm hated, I'll be hated. I'm willing to be hated for Jesus' sake. He didn't mind getting in front of the Pharisees and telling them the truth. And he knew they were going to crucify him. He knew they were going to hate him. And the Bible says about the 12th chapter of John and about the middle of the Gospels, it says from this day forward, they, they, tr- they tried to figure out how to kill him. They tried to plan his death. Why? He told them the truth. They didn't want to hear the truth. They want to hear a bunch of pandering, a bunch of political correct speech. I think that one of the reasons Trump's where he's at is he has just showed the people of America he don't care what they think. He's just going to say what he says. People are so tired of being handled and being pandered and being coddled and being told everything but the real thing. Brother, God don't mind telling you the real deal. He'll tell you you're going to die and go to hell. Why? Because if you die without him, you're going to hell. He'll tell you that you need to be forgiven. Why? Because you need to be forgiven. He'll tell you that your sins uh, will eventually take you to a place of total absence of him, and that's exactly what will happen. And the best friend, oh, best friend you ever had told you the truth, amen. I'd rather have somebody tell me the truth. Listen, if I come out here and I got something on my nose, I want somebody to tell me, hey, you got a booger on your nose, preacher. Well, if I pass you, brother, when I pull around that corner, and you ever let me preach a whole sermon with a booger on my nose, I'm after you, buddy. I'm going to kick you in the foot. Oh, excuse me. I will get right about it because I'm trying to be a better Christian. I told my wife every day we go we go out places. I said, would you please look at me? And she goes, okay, I've looked at you. She was 18. She was staring me a hole in me, man. I hope you'll fire the gospel gun. I hope you'll do what David said. Don't conceal it. I hope you, you know, you t- today, you can end your life saying, I made all kinds of, I failed in a lot of areas. I didn't do a lot of things the way I should have did them. I'm not giving any excuse about it. But I'll say, I was not ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Father, help us today to be be willing to just say the truth in love. Uh, Even in awkward situations, even when there's external pressure upon us to compromise, help us just to have the holy boldness To say, Jesus saves. The gospel's true. Father, I pray that even this morning you would save somebody. There could be somebody here without Christ. It's not made a, really in a heart, oh, you may have made all kinds of professions. You may have been baptized. You may have joined churches. You may have taken communions. You may have done all kinds of religiosity, all kinds of religious moves. But really in your heart, you know you don't have Christ. You've not felt the, the internal change that happens when you get born from above. Why don't you today say, I want Christ as my Savior. I want to really know that I know when I die, I go to heaven. These things I've written unto you, the Bible says you may know that you have eternal life. Why don't you come, let us talk to you. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation time. Moment, the organ's going to play a couple of verses just as I am. We're going to ask you to make a move so that we can know. Now, the invitation's not over when the music stops. Afterwards, you can talk to us, but whatever the time, please don't leave while God's here, and while the God's moving in your heart. Do what God asked you to do this morning. Christian, you haven't, been t- you haven't been shooting a gospel gun. You took the gun. By the way, every Christian's been given a gospel gun. You hid it. You concealed it because you didn't like the effects it had on people. May, may you make a resolve, even this morning, I'm going to take the gospel gun out. I'm going to load it, and I'm going to shoot it. Father, help some people to be in heaven because of this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come. If you would like to know more about Jesus and a subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.